Hello once again to all of our fans, friends, and wrestling enthusiasts. And thank you very much for joining us this week uh, for the BWF podcast. I am the Bish, and he is my co-host, the one and only man I've ever known to survive infanticide, not once, but twice, Sir Patrick Condon. Patrick, how does it go this week, my friend? Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here once again. It's uh, another week for the books. And uh, I just want to say right off the hop, last week I made some comments um, about the autism community. Uh, They were insensitive. And I've been hearing from a lot of people about why my words are hurtful to certain members of that community. So I just want to say uh dave Meltzer, whether or not he is autistic that doesn't matter being autistic is normal we all are a little bit autistic and i have learned a lot in the last week and i promise to try to do better moving forward okay well, thank you thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to say that fish pat i can feel the deep heartedness in that uh, in that apology And I'm sure the world accepts your apology and we can all move on from here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope so. It it is coming from the heart. Pat, why don't we tell this week? Actually, before we get into that, we have a little bit of sad news to report. You're telling me that uh, you had a little rough, rough morning today. Uh, Why don't you tell the fans a little bit about what happened and uh, give a little uh, insight to your personal life today? Sure. Well, as we all know, I don't really like to share a whole lot about my personal life. I like to keep my professional life and personal life separate, uh, especially when it comes to the internet. But uh, yeah, we uh, we had we have a big household of pets here. Me and my girlfriend and uh, and her kid uh, Toby. We got four cats. We got a dog, Dexter, and a guinea pig by the name of Squeak. And Today, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to Squeak, the guinea pig, uh, five years old, which is a mighty uh, old age for a guinea pig. We brought the Squeak in to be uh, euthanized. They say that it's rare for them to uh, have somebody bring in a guinea pig. Uh, most of the time, they're just released into the wild, I guess, or or they, uh, the owners just wait until uh, until nature takes its course. But we saw that little Squeak was uh, not eating as much and was losing a bunch of weight, so we had to make the tough decision. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a tough day here, but, but we're all moving forward, and this is just part of uh, life, you know? It is part of the circle of life, and this week's episode will be dedicated to Squeak. Rest in peace, Squeak. Thanks, Bish. I appreciate you uh, again letting me have that moment. And um, yeah, it's uh, been been emotional. I, I, you know, I didn't think that I was going to shed any tears, but uh, you know, no matter the size of of any member of the household, uh, it changes when somebody leaves. And I'm not afraid to admit that uh, that I cried over Squeak. That was really inappropriate. That was an inappropriate sound effect there. Anyways. Well, moving on from poor Squeak, <laughs> why don't we tell our fans what we have in store this week? We are going to do the Macho Man Randy Savage and his rise to ascension, and we are going to watch along WrestleMania Four, the tournament final where he 
wins the world championship for the first time against the million dollar man Teddy DiBiase. We will deep dive into what went behind the scenes leading up to it. And it's going to be a fantastic episode. I cannot wait for this one. Yeah, I'm excited. This was uh, uh, by my uh, request, and uh, I actually even requested that we take our time with this one because there's a whole lot in the year between WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5 that uh, news to me I never really knew about. I mean, uh, you know, even just talking back and forth uh, with you, Bish, we were, you know, the broad strokes. Everybody kind of remembers the title win and then the stuff that happens between him and Hogan at SummerSlam and Saturday night's main event, but uh, there's a whole chunk of that year where Hogan is is gone and Macho's left to his own devices. But uh, you know, there's no pay per views happening between WrestleMania and SummerSlam at that point, so it's a mystery to me how Macho was keeping busy. Yes, he was definitely keeping busy, and we will get into that part next week. The Mega Powers explode. I can't wait for that episode. This is going to be a really fun two weeks. Um, some of my favorite time in professional wrestling. Macho Man, as you know, is one of my two favorite wrestlers of all time. I just, I, I love this era of, of wrestling and I can't wait to dig into it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. But first we have trivia. What kind of questions do you have for me this week? Oh, that's a good little trivia. <laughs> trivia yeah we're still uh we're still trying to find the nice medium here first week was a little too easy last week was a little too hard just to catch everybody up who are joining us in progress bishop is on is on a mission to get 100 points in these uh trivia uh questions over a span of weeks right now he is at nine points and his aim is to get a hundred and each week we're doing 10 questions for each question he gets right, it's a point towards his prize. And for each question he gets wrong, he has to do a shot of hard alcohol. And Bish, what are we shooting this week? Same thing we shoot every week. Captain Morgan's spiced rum. Okay, so um, I, I actually uh, was talking to somebody about the whole setup of this, and on paper, it seems like this is a win-win for you because you get to shoot. Like, if it was somebody like me who has a, a crippling alcohol problem, one shot of alcohol would mean uh, two weeks of hell and torture. So there's real stakes there, but you just get to have a drink and maybe get a little bit buzzed. You know, there hasn't been any real... Uh, Although, what did you have last week? You had like seven or something. Uh, and it was I was, I was doing pretty shitty last week. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think uh, once I think we'll probably be finishing off this bottle here now. Uh, well, I mean, theoretically, we could if I guess if you get ten out of ten wrong. <laughs> I don't normally drink during the week, so it's it's fine. This is my my one day of the week that I <laughs> I drink. What time is it where you're where you're at right now, Bish? Oh, it's currently seven fifty one. So I have to be in work in an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> okay, all right, there we go. Those are the stakes. That's good. I'm happy with that. I think I'm going to uh, I'm going to order uh, the next bottle of booze for you to shoot though, and and we'll see what that is. Because right now you are shooting spiced rum, which is a nice, tasty kind of uh, shooter, really, isn't it? You're for for what it is. 
for what it is, I guess. Yeah. All right. Question the first. First question of 10 here this week. I see Bish is getting his shot glass ready. That's good. The theme this week, for the most part, is events in 1993. And I don't think that that gives away too much, but it's, uh, yeah, events from that kind of era, 92, 93, 94, that sort of thing. So my question to you is, what was the first pay-per-view event to take place in Boston, Massachusetts? Wow. The first one to take place in Boston. Survivor Series 92? It, I'm going to give it to you. Okay. No, that's wrong. There we go. Now we're, we're back into it. It's 90, it was 93, I believe. It was the, um, it was the Taker, um, the All-Americans versus the Evil. That was 93. Uh, yeah, and I believe that was in Boston. But it was Survivor Series, so I'll give you that. So okay. uh, that's one. So now you're at even 10 points. You are one-tenth to your ultimate prize, which is a uh, sort of a, a wrestling crate, a grab a box. A wrestling of, crate, yeah, yes. mystery box. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I did mention that the main event of 93 was uh, the All-Americans with Taker. Do you know who Taker replaced on Lex Luger's team that year at the Survivor Series in the main event? Oh, god damn. It was Luger, Tatanka, Taker, and the Steiners. Who did Taker replace? Oh, shit. I have no idea. I'll, I'll take the shot on this one. Hold, hold on a second. I'm double-checking now. I should always do this beforehand. Okay, yeah. Make sure he's actually replacing someone. <laughs> yeah, because I'm getting uh, all of my information from the IMDB. Um, the IMDB. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. So he did replace a wrestler, and it was one that you mentioned that did not fight in the match. And it was... Tatanka. Tatanka did oh. not wrestle in that match. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, good. Yeah. I was worried there. Here we go. Shot number one, seven o'clock in the morning-ish. Nice. I'm, I'm seeing this with my own eyes and down the hatch. Oh. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And what are, you, what are you chasing with this week? Normally, you got the bubbly. What is it this week? This week, I have Gatorade Zero. Nice. It's good. Keep your calories in check too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm diabetic, so I, I'm all about the bubbly, all about the, the zero as well. Okay, so here we go. Question three. Bish, you have one. Bish, you lost one, so you are one and one. Who did Macho Man Randy Savage replace on Razor Ramon's team in the 1992 Survivor Series? This question is all wrong. <laughs> because Mr. Perfect replaced Ric Flair. Sorry, Mr. Perfect replaced Ultimate Warrior, the team with Randy Savage, to go against Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. Okay. All right. Look, you didn't have to make me look like an asshole. Okay. <laughs> I'm just reading. Randy Savage replaced Mr. Perfect on Razor Ramon's team who suffered a back injury. You're right, you know. That is completely ass backwards. So, so Ramon, bad. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So you're two and one. You are now at 11 points overall. I like it. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw. 
On January 11th, 1993, the first ever telecast of Monday Night Raw was broadcast at the Manhattan Center. What was the main event? The Undertaker versus Kamala. Oh, half right. It was The Undertaker versus Damian Demento. Damian Demento, you mother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. I'll take take half a shot for that one. Half a shot. (laughs) All right. Hit. Oh, God. Damien Demento. <laughs> Damien Demento, and probably the only noteworthy match of his career. There he goes, Bishop, two and two. Yeah, baby. Okay, so here we go. Question five. We are halfway through this one. Another 1993 question. Bish, in the fall of 1993, the 21-month undefeated streak of Native American Tatanka came to a halt in a televised match. What star handed him? Okay, wow. (laughs) Good. Okay, so uh, you are now, what are you, three and three? No, three and two. This is question six, right? And you are 11 11 overall. Okay. We're moving up on the timeline a little bit here in 1994. In the spring of 1994, infamous WWF heel Ted DiBiase made his return. This time, however, back problems forced him to become a manager. But Ted quickly established the Million Dollar Corporation. Who was its very first member? I know Tatanka was one of the first ones, so I'm just trying to think if, the, if Tatanka was the first one, if King Kong Bundy was the first one. I'm trying to, to debate between the couple here, but sure. um, I know Tatanka turned heel at SummerSlam '94, so DBIC must have had somebody in his in his stable before that. Ah, uh, but Bundy wasn't around then. I'm gonna go with Tatanka. Fuck it. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Knew that. It's a little soft. That was wrong. The answer is, and um, I think you'll probably know this once I say the name, but it is still a little obscure. It's uh, Nikolai Volkov was the very Nikolai first Volkov. member. Yes, because Nikolai Volkov became his um, butler, sort of say. He would become his, his new Virgil. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Another shot. This is, uh, how, what is this? Your third shot? Three and yeah. three questions. Yeah. Bottoms Blue. up. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Love to see it. Okay. Let's move into uh, WrestleMania 4 trivia. Honky Tonk Man was on this pay per view. He was accompanied by a character by the name of Peggy Sue. Who played Peggy Sue? Who was. Peggy Sue, Bish. Peggy Sue played Peggy Sue. <laughs> no, no, I I'm not trying to trip you up on this. Peggy Sue was played by another performer, wearing a blonde wig and large glasses. I just thought she was some random. I had no idea that she was an actual. Um, was she a wrestler? Yeah, yeah. Really? Wow. I, I had no idea. I absolutely had no idea. I'll take a shot for that because we'll just do the buzzer here. Or yeah, no, no. Volume. I don't mind losing this question because I should, I'm learning something here. It's not something I should have known. I'm just learning something, so I'm okay with that. Um, okay, all right. 
There it is down the hatch. Uh, Sherry Martell played Peggy. No, Sue. no, yes. she did not really. She did yes. Now I don't know if she was uh, played her subsequently, but definitely at this appearance at WrestleMania four, Sherry Martell to get her on the show, they threw her a blonde wig, put on some sunglasses, and she was the titular Peggy Sue for the Honky Tonk Man. Wow, cool. Okay. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, so that was question seven. We're three, three mm. left. What was the first rematch in WrestleMania history? Mr. T and Roddy Piper on opposite ends of the first WrestleMania, and then they fought again at WrestleMania two in the boxing match. So, are we going to go for an actual the same repeat match? Yes. Okay. That would be Hogan and Andre. Correct. And that happened at WrestleMania four. And you know, this isn't a point or anything, but do you know when that would happen again, when the next WrestleMania rematch would happen again between the rock and Austin. Yeah. Good. Unfortunately, that was not full point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Here we go. So that was question eight. Mm-hmm. And you got that one right. So now you're at 13 points for the day. I got to start writing this down. <laughs> 13 points for the day. Two questions left. WrestleMania 4 was the second WrestleMania to have a disqualification or countdown ending to a title match. What was the first match at WrestleMania? To have a disqualification, disqualification countout ending in a title match. Good question. Uh, my first instinct is to go with Greg Valentine and Tito Santana from WrestleMania One, so I'll say that. Very good. Yes, nice, Bish. That was very Thank good. You, sir. Uh, bringing you up to nice fourteen points, and we are on the last question of this week. And I don't want to give you something that's super easy, but but why not? Uh, it's not super easy, but uh, maybe I'll give you a multiple choice. But on January 24th, pardon me, 1993, the WWF presented the Royal Rumble. And the card saw the final pay-per-view appearance of the big boss man for almost six years. Ironically, his his opponent was making his return after four and a half year absence. Who was it? Bam Bam Bigelow. Very good, Bish. Very good. I'm okay with that this week. Yeah, that was a pretty good balance. Very good, Bish. Very good. Yes, so I think we're getting a nice uh, balance here. So I think with that one, what were you? Six? Were you five and five or six and four? Six and four. Nice. There you go. Beautiful. And uh, you are what? At an even 15? 15? Wow. Even 15. Yes, sir. All right. And do you still have uh, any alcohol left in that bottle? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Oh, my Here God. You. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I got another bottle of rum upstairs, so I'm good to go. go okay. Around. All right. I All right, do thanks. have a true or false for you, though, right quick. True or false. Coliseum Home Video. The distribution 
uh, label that used to do all of the old wrestling pay-per-views, like, you know, the rest of all of WrestleMania, SummerSlam, all that stuff was done by Coliseum Video. True or false? Coliseum Video owned an adult entertainment line and produced porn. <laughs> well, I would have to say true. Um, is Absolutely. that true? It is true. <laughs> How did you come across this information is my uh, question to you. I was listening to something to wrestle with uh, Bruce Pritchard last night on the mega powers. And it just happened to come up in their conversation. Um, it was called H and H and yeah. Coliseum video was producing porn at the same time. They're producing wrestling videos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I wonder we, maybe we could do a watch along someday. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so that's the trivia for this week. Uh, what do we, what do we got coming up? How it's a mailbag. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite uh, time of the week for sure. Now, I can't remember. Am I supposed to play this throughout the thing or do you want me to no, just No, 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 no. <laughs> your mailbag. Uh, you know what else? Um, I was uh, I came across your uh, your other podcast that you do. Uh, the the uh, Fantasy Games. Roundup. Yes, and I gotta say, very well produced. Um, Andrew Skinner does a great job of hosting that. Do you guys have somebody doing um, like the introduction, or is that Skinner's voice as well? Like, just name the show, or no, that's one of Skinner's buddies who's in radio. Uh, he got him to do the introduction and the outro and like all the different segment stops. So, like, uh, our his league is called the Seventh Inning Stretch. So. His friend will go seventh inning stretch when it's time to do our weekly rundown for his league. Nice, yeah, we should uh, look into that. I was I was looking up uh, cameos because uh, there's a bunch of wrestlers on cameo, so we, we could talk back and forth because they will do uh, that. You know, some uh, you want somebody that has like a recognizable voice more than anything else. Um, you know, of course, you could get somebody like Bret Hart to do it. Bret is fairly expensive, but you know. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd get somebody like Honky Tonk Man or something. Oh, like man, that. that was my first thought. I was going to say Honky Tonk Man. Absolutely. Nice. No yeah. So anyways, that's something. I, I Yeah, anyways, but good job on that. I mean, you guys got four seasons ahead of us for sure. Impressed. I was impressed with the quality of the podcast. We actually recorded our first episode of the season last night, yesterday um, evening. So you're you're a busy man. Busy man, yes, sir. Okay. But, um, yeah, we got some mailbag here. I actually have a question here. Someone wrote in. Oh, that's um, strange. Uh, I never, I never saw that in the. You didn't see this one? Oh, oh no, I, I didn't. Strange. I didn't. I thought I got them all. Okay, lay it on me. This one's for the both of us. Yeah, he goes. This is actually from a Brendan Kelly, and he wants to know, Pat, Aaron, who are your Mount Rushmores of professional wrestling? That's a very good question, Brendan. It is. Yes, strong name. I like. I like that name. Uh, and uh, much more reasonable question than I uh, than I thought might be coming. I, I'm surprised I missed that one. That's a good question. Well, I mean, completely uh, taken off guard. So Ru Mount Rushmore would be four of our favorite wrestlers of all time? This would be four of your personal favorite, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, um, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall would be on there. Uh, do you want to go back and forth, or do you have your four oh, ready to go? Yep, I do, but you can go ahead. 
Okay, I would go, yeah, so I would go Razor Ramon. I would go Kurt Angle. I would go uh, Bret Hart. And I would go Brock Lesnar. Wow. Those are wow. the four guys that I would well actually there's more than four of them, but those those good like I brought I bought a ticket specifically to go see Brock. You know, he's a draw, I think. Right. Fair uh, who do you got? Who's yours? I could probably guess uh, yours. We yeah, to try to guess. Yeah, give her. Um, okay, so I remember you saying that Sean has sort of dropped off, but you so Bret Hart, Macho Man. Yep, yep. Um Hart, Macho Man. Are they all WWF guys? They are. Like, uh, you know, like Ric Flair is an NWA guy. Is he on your? Correct. Yeah. No, no he's not, not on there, hey? Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin? No. No? Okay, I'll give one more guess. Is, uh, is there anybody from the Attitude Era on this? No. Wow. Okay, so it's all early age. Um, who is so Macho Man? I'm gonna guess maybe uh, Jake Roberts. No, it's actually the Hulkster. Oh, Hogan. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we got Hogan, we got Macho, we got Brett. The fourth one would have to be Shawn Michaels. Okay. Well, it would have to be Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I'm happy to hear the Sean's back on there. Um, that's how I remember you. I believe I have photographic evidence of you dressed up as one Sean Michaels. Uh, there is photographic evidence of this, yes. <laughs> blonde hair and devil may care attitude. Those were the days. Those were the days, yeah. All right, so uh, on, to, uh, on to the questions that I received in the mailbag this week. Um, hey, fellas. I was at Bret Hart's new restaurant this week in Calgary. I had the dynamite salmon while my boyfriend had the Calgary fried chicken. Both were good. They got me thinking about how Bret said the other day that when he uh, went to go see a live event, all it was was pretty much kids going around and slapping their legs. So what are some moments and matches that kill the kayfabe for you? All the best. Alan from Brockville, Ontario. Alan. Thank you very that much. That rant that Brett went on? Yeah. He's not wrong, he's not wrong at all. No, uh, no, I know. Brett, Brett is very bitter, but he's very rarely wrong, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in response to the question, I would have to say um, a big pet peeve of mine in, in matches is when a group of wrestlers on the outside of the ring and they gather around and they're holding each other arm in arm and they're waiting for the guy to jump off the top rope to catch him. That fucking bugs the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's a safety thing, obviously, that they want to make sure that people are being caught these days, but it really does. Don't do make... the spot. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't I don't even like the the suicide dives between the ropes anymore. I don't either. Yeah, because, no. I mean, that just means that there's going to be a commercial break coming up. It's like. Exactly. You know. Yes, man. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another thing I hate as well is hearing and seeing the wrestlers call spots and seeing the wrestler actually take it the razor blade and blade themselves yeah i agree bish uh great point as per usual i 
have always found that um, that the Irish whip doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But everything is kind of built on the fact that the Irish whip works, that you can propel somebody into the ropes and they'll run right back to you. That's kind of uh, that's kind of a cheap thing. But I, I think that your uh, your note about the uh, about the cooperation that you see when somebody dives to the outside is is kind of indicative of why wrestling these days can sometimes be uh, not as good as it used to be. Exactly, you can tell things are choreographed and planned out, and just not reactive to to the crowd, and just more on the spot. Yeah, it's just it's a totally different feeling these days. It's not the same at all. Let's move on. Question number two from our mailbag. By the way, if you want to send us in a question, um, we'll try to get to it, but we are being inundated so much these days that I'm even missing questions that come in. You can email us at bwfpodcasts at gmail.com. Hey, Aaron and Pat, loved the show last week. I learned so much about wrestling. I cannot wait for the next show about WrestleMania 1 to learn even more. Bad news there. I had no idea how crazy the Hogan-Piper feud was. It could be Hogan's biggest rivalry ever. If not, who do you think? Macho, Flair, Andre? Keep up the good work. Michael T.C. from the mean streets of Gander NL. Michael T.C. Wow. Um, There's only two correct answers for this, and that is either Andre the Giant or the Macho Man Randy Savage. Personally... I think it's Savage. Yeah, I think that most people would say Savage because it does span the two companies and goes into real life and all the stuff about Elizabeth going away to Hogan's place and like and Hogan lying to Macho about it. Like, I don't know. We'll never know the true extent of what is going on between those two guys. No, but um, as you said, it spanned two companies. You know, it was pretty much. 15 years of them wrestling either with or against each other. The real life stuff that happened is even more crazy than the in-ring stuff that happened. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely got to be Savage. And we'll talk about this more in the Mega Powers episode, but um, they drew more money and made more and had the best business for the WWF um, in that time period than anybody else in history uh, up until Hogan and Rock. So, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, Macho is a good one. I um, I got to say that I'm learning. I learned a lot about the feud between him and Piper that I didn't know and how much that transcended the wrestling world. And because mm-hmm. uh, all I was really familiar with was WrestleMania one. And and frankly, it didn't even seem like that big of a deal. But I didn't realize how much had been built up and in leading into that match. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised to learn about the Piper and Hogan match. Moving yeah. on, uh, question number three. Hey Bish, hey Pat, the emotions are running wild with me this week due to t- some serious allegations leveled at me on the internet through a Facebook group. My wife believes I've been cheating on her, so she's left me. I don't know what I'll do. I can't lose her and my daughter. I just can't. The thought of another man raising my child is enough to make me sick, and I'm scared of the thoughts I'm thinking. What's worse is that I never really even did anything. 
Why do people always have to interfere with my happiness? Have you guys ever cheated on a girlfriend? Or have you ever been cheated on? I just need to know that somebody out there knows what I'm going through. It could make all the difference in the world. This is mostly directed at Bishop, as I know Pat's religious beliefs means he probably hasn't had this experience. Love you guys. Perry from Owen Sound. Thank you, Perry. <laughs> There's nothing to laugh about here, Bishop. <laughs> guys. Uh, I have been cheated on. I'll take this question. I'll answer it. I have been cheated on. I actually woke up to my girlfriend at the time and her ex-boyfriend fucking right next to me in bed. Um, That's insane, <laughs> Bish. Yeah. How long were you seeing this girl? Oh, God, not long, but um, maybe, maybe a few months, but... How was it? Did you go to sleep with the ex-boyfriend already in the house? There was a party at the house, and mm. I went to sleep, and I went to sleep by myself, and I woke up the next morning with the two of them going at it, literally literally right next to me and so i just remember waking up and literally going what the fuck <laughs> just storming at the house <laughs> wow did you ever see her again no never again you never re good that's good um very insane very insane and what about the guy did you ever see the guy again no and uh so i guess like uh to what was this gentleman's name perry from owen sound like i mean if bish can live through a moment like that i mean really it's what you see you'd either see it in in horror movies or in certain kinds of pornography maybe distributed by coliseum home video but uh waking up with uh, your partner engaged in the act of lovemaking with her ex right next to you. That's got to be if you know. That's got to be the worst. So Bish made through it. Bish, you're happier now than ever. Yes, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Get rid of that trash. Boom! There you go. I love to hear it. Um, get rid of that trash, says Aaron Bishop. And uh, good luck, Perry. Moving on. Do you have any more questions? Oh, yeah, there's a couple more, and we got a voicemail and everything, man. Oh, and, my God. You know, God. I got to say, well, look, I mean, we're just having a great time here. And I got to say that I was so impressed to see that our episode last week was an hour long, uh, under an hour long, compared to our very first WrestleMania thing that was nearly two hours. We're getting this going. You know what I'm saying? This is what, pe this is what the people want. Exactly. Um... You know what? Maybe uh, maybe we'll just go right to the voicemail, and we'll okay. save uh, Jack the Jobber wrote in. But I mean, it's the question. We'll save frankly, Jack the Jobber for next week. So yeah. I actually had to have one more question that needs to be answered as well. You got so, one. Yeah. I do. Another, I have one have more. Another one. one more. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, let's see. This I, I mean, I believe that I missed one. A miss two in the mailbag? I don't know, Bish. A anyways, here's the voicemail that I got. Let's see what it says. Sure. It's Sylvester Ritter and Davy Boy Smith were a homosexual couple, and they adopted an infant. Would that child's name be British Junkyard Bulldog? That's a good question. Thank you, caller. Um, he was using shoot names there of the Junkyard Dog and the British Bulldog and what would happen if they um, were engaged in a homosexual relationship. 
Uh, Bish, uh, what do you think? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> well, I say that it sounds about wrong to me. I mean, there's no way that a homosexual couple could ever naturally give birth to a child. And so the question in its logic is uh, is wrong um from the get-go uh and i guess also you're assuming that they would be like uh their names are combined suggesting that they would be engaged in some sort of marital agreement which uh not not according to my god let me tell you that oh my jesus thank you very much all right so that's the mailbag this week let's uh we got one Oh right, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. What's your what's your question, Bish? <laughs> Our last question comes from the Matt Rat, Allison K, and she wants to know, Pat, would you rather be a ring boy in 1987 and get locked in a room with Pat Patterson for one hour, or watch Lex Luger matches for one hour straight every day for the rest of your life? Ooh, I mean, certainly, uh, given what I just said, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, have you ever heard this Sid Vicious uh, shoot interview where there was a guy that, um, according to Sid, now Sid's shoots are awesome because he's lying for the most part and it's very easy to see. And he claims that during this era, he saw that one of the ring boys was being used sexually uh, with the promise of working his way up into the company. And Sid told him, look, you're never going to make it. You don't have it. Go home to your girlfriend. And he saved that guy years of sexual uh, abuse. Well, that's good. That's good. We can celebrate. Right. And so, and the hate on Lex Luger. Now, I mean, Lex Luger in WCW wasn't too bad. NWA Luger wasn't that bad. WCW Luger was the shits. Yeah, yeah. There was the... I, I like the storyline where he was partnered up with Sting. Sting was babyface. Luger was heel at the same time. That was a good storyline, yeah. It, like, don't get me wrong. Luger could cut a promo every now and again. You know, um, he had the look. It's just his in-ring basics, his fundamentals, like throwing a punch, throwing a kick, his selling. It was just all... Oh. Yeah, he he really did have a problem with like anytime he would throw a punch, he'd he'd yell like bah like that. Yeah. And then there's also talking about uh, you're talking about something to wrestle with earlier. Bruce Pritchard said that in the promo that Luger had to cut, uh, it was a pre-tape in '93, where at the, I believe it's at the start of the Survivor Series '93 pay-per-view where it's him and his family, and it's you know less than a minute long. And Bruce said that it took them eight hours to get lex to be able to hit his lines for that uh for that promo <laughs> yeah so uh yeah um but yeah I, I probably have to go with watching luger matches over the sodomy thank you allison k the ring rat that's the mailbag for this week Let's head into our educational session of the week and let's talk about the Macho Man, Randy Savage. 
<laughs> I love that music. It's so good. <laughs> nice. Before we get into the rise of one of the greatest of all time, Pat, do you have a Macho Man impression? Well, I might have a little rough one that you could probably think was a Macho Man impression. I certainly go around claiming people were only here for a what is it, a cup of coffee every now and then, but that's all I got. I mean, it's ve- everybody's got one. A, it's not good, but that's it. You, Bish? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I dig it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's much better. I can't, I can't really... Oh, yeah, I think I got one there for a second. Hulk, I can't really see you and my wife getting together. I'm gonna dig it. <laughs> I mean, his promos are amazing, and they look painful for him to cut, actually, too. Like, he looks like he's in pain, and he sounds like he's in pain. Absolutely. That's not his real voice. He That's 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 a work. His voice is a work his whole career. Wow. So, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Crazy. Is there any is there any footage or any sound of what he uh, actually sounds like out there? Probably do you know? Since, like, the early 70s, man. He Once he in- integrated that, that was it. But Lanny Papa goes on record saying that that was not his voice and that that was all a work. Rest so in peace. Macho, Rest man. in peace, Lanny Poffo. I think he uh, he died yeah, recently he, too, right? Yeah, he did. But let's move on to our educational sessions. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, the charismatic, over-the-top wrestler, burst onto the wrestling scene in the early 70s after injuries derailed his future in Major League Baseball. Do you know what team he was trying it for or do you know what AAA team he was playing for no this isn't the i'm i'm not a baseball guy uh triple a team bitch that's not even fair who Flor- oh, the no, florida no, gators no no sorry not i didn't mean what triple a team he was playing for i meant like what uh major league baseball team was he uh, what triple a affiliate for the major league team okay i got you okay yeah. even still i would go uh maybe the uh, houston astros Cincinnati Reds. Ah, the Reds, of course. He actually had a collision at home plate where he did major damage to his throwing arm. And to his credit, he actually learned to throw with his left hand to becoming ambidextrous. But he just couldn't get past the AAA level. Yeah, isn't isn't that incredible? He learned to throw with his left hand at that level. That's incredible. So it got given athletic ability, you know? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Savage's father, Angelo Poffo, uh, not only was he a professional wrestler, but he also owned ICW, International Championship Wrestling. And this is where Savage made his name for himself. And this is also where he met Elizabeth Hewlett, the future Miss Elizabeth. She's a real POA, if you know what I'm saying. Peace. Dime peace. It was definitely a peace back then, absolutely. <laughs> By 1984, the promotion uh, went bankrupt and was bought out by Jerry the King Lawler. Savage and Lawler would go on to have a violent feud that would blur the lines of reality. Um, you can actually go on YouTube and watch these matches in these segments. These are really, really fun to watch. Um, it didn't take long before Vince McMahon and the WWF Uh, brought him into the fold in 1985 he made his debut over the next few months every manager would be trying to win the services of the macho man 
in a now famous segment, which you can also watch on YouTube, uh, where Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jimmy and Memphis Save Heart, Classy Freddie Blassie, and more were all in the ring. Savage would come out and he would announce his new manager, Miss Elizabeth. Savage would then enter a feud with Tito Santana and would win the Intercontinental Championship. He would actually hold on to this uh, championship until 1987. This is the second longest Intercontinental Championship reign of all time. Second to uh, Honky, is it? Second to Honky Tonk Man, indeed. So he came in as a, as a heel then? He came in as a heel, yeah, correct. And uh, and uh, got into a program with Tito, and so he so this was was he on WrestleMania two? I can't remember. No, he was on WrestleMania two. Yeah, he defended the title against George the Animal Steel. Right. Yes. 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 And yeah, because Steel was trying to kidnap Elizabeth. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yet Savage was the heel, and George was the face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. He was kind of like Quasimodo kind of yeah. storyline. Yeah, it was interesting. But that would bleed into a storyline with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Now, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, the storyline uh, they had going into WrestleMania 3 and the match at WrestleMania 3 is stuff of WWF legend and lore. The match at WrestleMania 3 is highly considered one of the greatest of all time. Uh, so the, the storyline, Savage, uh, lead, leading up to it, Savage would jump off the top rope during a match with Ricky Steamboat with the ring bell, and he would crush the larynx, the throat of Ricky Steamboat. And this was really good stuff. Steamboat was out of action for months. He teased a retirement. Um, but he came back and said in one of the greatest matches of all time in front of 90,000 screaming fans, Ricky Steamboat beats the Macho Man Randy Savage to win the IC title. Good stuff. This actually deserves its own episode in the future. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll save my comments uh, about that. Other than to touch upon that, I was surprised at how brief uh, Ricky's reign was um, after such a legendary match. And that's because he requested time off just two months after winning the title. Now, story is, legend is, this wasn't really Ricky Steamboat wanting to take time off. This was his wife wanting him to come home, make babies, spend more time with the family, and then go to the NWA where he could main event have like the same kind of money but not work as much it's interesting because that yeah his wife is known sort of throughout uh you'll see in a bunch of shoot interviews that um i think they'll just refer to as bonnie bonnie uh and um was really known as the um the puppet master and absolutely controlling a lot of ricky's poor business decisions Shall we say? So can you imagine? Uh, yes, yeah, can you imagine what could what could have been, what should have been with Ricky Steamboat atop of the WWF during the late eighties? Like I don't know, that, that could have been some really good stuff, but it was for not. No, yeah, I mean, because um, he, he's like was a real like uh, kind of like a Cody Rhodes baby face, like just real. I don't even know if Steamboat never worked heel, never, never. Worked heel. Yeah, no, I, no. I can't even really imagine him doing that. Imagine being beloved by that many people for so long to have a career of 20, 25 years and never be booed 
once. Yeah. Not and that's the key because I mean everybody will talk about how John Cena, you know, won't go heel, but Cena is pretty much it it's still pretty divisive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so with Ricky Steamboat asking for his release, the natural Butch Reed was scheduled to win the Intercontinental Championship. So the night comes, Butch Reed is supposed to win, but for some reason he no shows the event. So while Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan were standing around discussing what to do, the honky-tonk man walks by. And Hogan looks at Honky and says, what about him? <laughs> yeah. And that's according to Honky himself. Honky tells that story on his own shoot interviews. It's great, great. Uh, I think Honky Tonk's probably my favorite shoot interview of all time. Honky Tonk is probably my favorite wrestler that I've ever met in my entire life. I've met him three or four times every single time. He's the kind of wrestler that will sit down with you in a hotel lobby and talk to you for an hour about everything and anything you want to talk about. He's such a cool dude. And you know what? I'm glad Honky Tonk is the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. I'm glad. But yeah, that's this is what happened. So uh, he walked by Hogan and Vince. Hogan said, what about him? And <laughs> there you have it. History is born. What's but cool? Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So, but little did they know that by giving the title to Honky, it wasn't, he wasn't going to be like grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> he parlayed that and held on to it. I mean, that rain was not going to last that long. Correct. No, correct. The original plan was for Macho Man to win back the Intercontinental title due, due to Macho Man's popularity. It would just, it grew from WrestleMania three onward. People, were no longer booing Savage. They were cheering him. So the decision was made to give him the title. But in good old honky-tonk man fashion, refused to job the title to the macho man. Can you imagine going yeah. to Vince and saying, nope? <laughs> Apparently he said it to Dick Ebersol too, who was the NBC yeah. executive. Because he was he was like, uh, he was like what do you got coming up for me then after I dropped the title? on television you know that's there goes my heat i got no problem doing it and i mean when and when he does drop the title eventually honky certainly does do the job like uh but yeah he uh he said no to vince and i believe held the title ransom like suggestively anyways didn't outright say it so that vince really had to rejig the entire thing right his plans Exactly. So they turned Macho Man by having Honky Tonk Man shove Elizabeth. That this is on Saturday night's main event. Honky Tonk Man shoved Elizabeth down to the ground, and then the Hart Foundation came out and held Randy by his arms. And the Honky Tonk Man took a guitar and smashed him over the head, Jeff Jarrett style, and thus turning the Macho Man into the fan favorite hero he would become. Um, because Honky Tonk Man refused to job the Savage, this is actually the best thing that could have ever happened to Savage because Hulk Hogan would actually leave shortly after this to go film No Holds Barred and become a Hollywood movie star. So the WWF actually needed a new face on top of the promotion. And that face would be the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So in 1988, the main oh, hold, event. Hold oh, on sorry. a second, though, Bish. But all right, so Hogan's leaving. Hogan's the champion. They want mm-hmm. Savage to have it. Savage yeah. is babyface now, you say. How do they get the title off of Hogan and onto Savage? I mean, surely they can't have them wrestle each other. Hogan wouldn't Absolutely allow that. Not. Face versus face, not that doesn't work for me, brother. That's not going to happen. Um, so what they did was in 1988 at a show called The Main Event, which is broadcasted on a Friday evening, 36 million people tuned in to witness Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan 2. In this match, Hulk Hogan's uh, shoulders are clearly, clearly pinned to the ground. But the referee counts to three. Everybody is shocked. Hogan looks like he's going to pry. People are throwing garbage in the ring. Uh, It turns out that the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, in storyline, paid a referee to get plastic surgery to look like senior official Earl Hebner. And this is when the referee would screw over Hogan and award the belt to Andre the Giant, who would then take the belt, the WWE Championship, and hand it to the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase would have bought the WWF Championship. <laughs> this is amazing. This is this is good stuff. Uh, in real life, the, the referee was the twin brother of Earl Hebner, Dave Hebner. Rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. So, so is Andre... Uh, recognized as a former WWF champion then? Andre is recognized as a former WWF champion. Ted DiBiase is not. Okay. So what happens? What happens when DiBiase is given the belt by Andre? WWF president Jack Tunney, rip, (laughs) made the decision. That's That's some prayers. Made the decision to strip Ted DiBiase and put the championship on the line in a tournament at WrestleMania 4. This is going to be going, Pat. Uh, do you want to give us a countdown? Sure thing. Here we go. We are watching uh, from Vanna White, giving uh, voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. What's his name? Bob Euchre, Mr. Bob Baseball. Bob Euchre, a kiss on the cheek. Here we go in three, two, one. Bob Euchre, he did a really fantastic job at this WrestleMania. Um, probably my favorite celebrity crossover of all time, or at least one of them. Yeah, he's good. I, I heard uh, Norm Macdonald tell a lot of stories about Bob Euchre, and he seems like a good, uh, funny guy. Vanna White looks good there, huh? <laughs> Crazy. She still looks good. <laughs> Here you go. This is actually Euchre's second appearance at WrestleMania. He was there the year before at WrestleMania three. We have Euchre here introducing the Andre the Giant in the corner of the Million Dollar Man, Toby Biasi. Look at the size of Andre. He's a big boy, yeah. They, oh, my uh, God, he takes up half the screen. <laughs> disappointed that uh, Million Dollar Man does not have his classic theme song here. No, that wouldn't come until later this year. Now, at one point, wasn't the story that even that Ted was going to go over on this at some point or no? There was discussions about Ted DiBiase going over 
there's even discussions of, of even having Andre as a champion at one point, but Andre was just too too beat up, you know, yeah. it wasn't in shape. And um DiBiase, yeah, they they thought about it, but ultimately they uh they went with Savage. I mean, you gotta go with the hot hand. Savage, you know, he's the only one that can carry the company at this point until Hogan gets back. You know, uh, I don't know if you've been following in the wrestling news, but uh, this week, Ted DiBiase Jr. was indicted for uh, some sort of scam, allegedly, that he was a part of with Brett Favre, and he's looking at some serious jail time now. Oh, yeah. Millions of dollars that were supposed to go towards charity and stuff. Yeah. Not good. He's got a price. He's got a price. Yeah. Here we go. Here comes the macho man, Randy Savage. Look at Elizabeth. Look at Savage. God, Classic trunks. Classic trunks. Got that robe going. Matching attire. Where's this WrestleMania taking place? This is taking place in Trump Plaza. So the story behind this. Vince McMahon, you know, year prior, they're at the Dome, at the Silver Dome in Detroit. They have 90,000 people. And then all of a sudden they come to this little rinky dinky uh Trump Plaza for WrestleMania 4. So Trump just bought this plaza and the casino in Atlantic City, uh just prior to this. And he wanted he wanted to make a big name for it. He wanted to be that next place where they can go for the boxing and you know they have like the big main events and stuff like that. So the deal was that he would buy so many tickets. At an X amount of dollars beforehand, and sell them to the or give them away to the high rollers of the casino. That's where they are. They're in a casino, right? And so, get this: so the gate, the ticket gate uh, for WrestleMania three with ninety thousand people was one point one million dollars. The gate for ten thousand people at WrestleMania four was one point six million dollars. Wow. So That's they, they must have really, I guess it's probably a combination of them charging more for this one, but also like really charging less to get people in the building for three, right? Exactly. Yeah. So for, for three, you know, your, your average ticket was 20 bucks. You, you couldn't get into WrestleMania four for anything less than a hundred. So. Wow. Now DiBiase arguably has the most lucrative um, gimmick in all of wrestling at this point, right? Because Vince wants him to actually go around as if he is a multimillionaire. And so he gets to travel like that. So the million dollar man gimmick itself comes from Vince McMahon. Um, Vince, this is how Vince perceived himself to be the million dollar man. So he gave his gimmick to Ted DiBiase. And he said, as long as he's out in public, it's first class flights, limousines, Always have to have a thousand dollars in your pocket at all times, just so you can show it <laughs> and flaunt it. Nice. Uh, he, had, he had a dress code where no one else did. So yeah, um, he he <laughs> he took advantage of that absolutely. I would say yeah, and he even got a servant there towards the end of the two. Huh? He even got a servant. <laughs> yeah. So look at do you know offhand who these guys had to defeat in order to get to the finals. Uh, DiBiase had an easier way to the finals. DiBiase had a uh, third round bye. So DiBiase in the first round faced Jim Duggan. And oh, then uh, Duggan was uh, recently at a um, uh, YouTube boxing event. 
where he was uh, part of the team with um, uh, Johnny uh, Morrison, Johnny Mundo. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he came out uh, and introduced them. We uh, should uh, also point out that uh, Andre has already tripped Macho Man once, so I guess he's intent on uh, on, uh, on making sure that DiBiase wins this match. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, DiBiase, he beat Jim Duggan, and then he had to beat... Um... Oh, shoot. Who did he beat in the second round? I can't remember who he beat in the second round, but Macho Man... He had to go through Greg the Hammer Valentine. He had to go through the One Man Gang. He had to go through. Wow. Uh, shoot, I can't remember now. I can only remember two to three. And Macho definitely looks worse for wear compared. He does. To... Yeah, this is Macho Man's fourth night, fourth match of the night. This is DiBiase's third. Yeah. Four matches in one night. I can't imagine. And now the thing that they always said about Macho Man is that he would write his matches out on like yellow line paper, <clears throat> move for move, kind of like uh, Diamond Dallas Page as well was also uh, also accused of doing that, which isn't uh, especially for this day and age where they would normally just go out call it in the ring. So you got to yeah, think that a he... lot of wrestlers didn't appreciate uh, Savage's meticulous style of uh, having everything planned out beforehand. Yeah, because, uh, I don't know, I mean, um, I, to hear a lot of old school guys talk about it, they a lot of the matches are like you're feeling the crowd, and that's how that's you good. decide, you know, uh, when you uh, when you get the heat and when you make your comeback and this and that. DiBiase is so good. Look at that stomp to the face. Ask DiBiase, him. I think he might be the most underrated wrestler of all time. Yeah. People say Rob Van Dam was underrated. Um, Rob Van Dam won all kinds of championships. Ted DiBiase was given just a million-dollar title, and that was it. And he made it work for years, and he could work with anybody. Even Rob Van Dam, it's interesting you bring him up, because didn't DiBiase, when he was in Michigan and he was doing the um... – like uh, he would do his gimmick where he'd bring somebody out from the crowd and say, Hey, if you can dribble a ball or do this or that, I'll give you a uh, hundred dollars. And then he would, uh, Ooh, look at that. Look That's that, Mr. Yeah. Perfect flop there. They teach you that in the AWA. Um, he did that with Van Dam, didn't he? As a child, Van Dam was a kid. Yeah. You know this? Yeah. I, yeah, I did. I did hear that story. Yeah. Rob Van Dam actually confirmed that story himself. I think there's footage of it. Well, there yeah. is footage of it. Uh, he was up on top of the rope. This is like high flying. Well, right now, of- yeah, we have DB, uh, sorry, Macho Man um, tossed DiBiase to the inside of the ring, and then he got on the top rope, and he was ready to dive, do his trademark double axe handle onto Ted DiBiase, but Andre the Giant just stood in front and said, come on, jump if you want. Jump oh, if you want. he just whispered, and now she, where's she powdering to? Elizabeth is running to the back. Why would she be running to the back in the middle of such an important match? I have a feeling we'll find out quite soon. Look at these fist drops by Ted DiBiase. They look like they land. Oh, yeah. Like, boom. Something so simple. Looks like it hurts so bad. Andre is not happy with that count. And so oh, is that uh, is that Earl Hebner in the ring or Dave? That, that is Earl. That is Earl. Senior official. <laughs> Rest spot. Oh oh. 
here comes the Hulkster. Puffs so would you say that like, Hulk is at his probably peak as a baby face here? Or is that yet to come? Or have we passed it? That's a good question. I, you know what? He's probably at his peak here. I think um, leading up to WrestleMania 3 with Andre Giant and then the match with Andre Giant leading up to this is peak Hogan. He would probably remain at his peak until 1991. Yeah, because the crowd was still solidly behind him for the WrestleMania 5 match with Macho, right? There was Absolutely, no. Yeah. 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 Cause, and then I guess, um, as uh, lore has it, that um, Hogan was supposed to work with Jake Roberts. And that's when the crowd started turning against him. And so he d- he said that he wasn't going to work with, according to Jake, he said he wasn't going to work with Jake because the fans were cheering Jake. Exactly, yeah. I heard that story too. And then by the time, so so you got WrestleMania 5, and then you got uh, 6 with Warrior. By yeah. the time he gets to fight Sid at 8, I mean, people are pretty tired of him at this point, right? Because they're cheering yeah, for Sid. It- it's between the time of the fall of 1991 and the winter of 1992 when the fans really started to turn against Hogan. So, which is why he had to make his WrestleMania 8 match, his retirement match, to make sure that the fans cheered him. <laughs> yeah, and taking away the main event of Macho and Ric and Flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a weird time. The, the ins and outs of what was going on in that area uh, era is uh, something worth covering too, because you had Flair show up, Sid's there, I love Macho's 91 and 92. This, I think 91, 92 is my favorite yeah. era of all time, honestly. Big gut wrench suplex by Ted DiBiase. Getting frustrated. Hogan up out of the seat now. So does Hogan influence the finish? I can't remember the finish. Don't tell me, but I mean. I think Hogan probably gets some chair shots out and really uh, overtakes this match. Takes away a little bit of shine from the Macho Man, that is for sure. Oh. Classic heel move. Don't go up on he the top. He's on the top rope. Macho Man catches him, throws him off for a body slam. See how quickly he gets up there? Boom. So fast. Misses. Oh, and he misses the elbow drop. Wow. <laughs> You don't see that very often. No, especially like on his own accord. He wasn't pushed or anything. Oh, is that the dream? Million dollar dream is locked on the Macho Man Randy Savage. See, look. Here comes Hogan with the steel chair. Blayton whacked Teddy Biasi in the back. You hear Jesse Ventura is not happy with it here. I love Jesse. you know, everybody gives uh, credit, and rightly so, to uh, Gorilla and Heenan, but I think Gorilla and Ventura were also a good duo. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Boom! Here comes the there you go. Drop the halfway thing. across the ring. Nails him. Boom! Boom. And there it is. Two. Three. Hogan rips the belt away from the timekeeper, comes into the ring, presents it. <laughs> it's all about Hogan. Oh, it's yeah. All about Hogan here, yeah. Back into the ring. God almighty. Swing in the chair at nobody. So this is the actual debut of the Winged Eagle Championship belt. Oh, is it? It is. 
Nice. Now, who do you associate the design of that title with the most? Like, what wrestler do you think owns that design? Savage, Brett, Hogan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, who else? There's nobody else, really, that would come in there. Sean had a, a couple of moments with it. Sid yeah, looked good Sean with had, it, too. Sean had some moments. Taker, Sid. But yeah, it was it, to me. It seems like it was almost just made for Bret Hart. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was made for Bret Hart. It really was, wasn't it? <laughs> Look at uh, Elizabeth there. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. Hogan still got a steel chair in his hand. <laughs> Covering the the shot there. Covering the shot. Yeah. Get your hand shaking. Give him a hug. Make sure the shot's on Hogan though. Hogan must pose. Yeah. He's just so happy for his guy to be winning. But you know what? This, as a kid, man, this was one of those moments that just, I don't know, this this brings me back to my childhood. I love Macho Man. I love this shit. This is so good. So is does Hogan uh, leave immediately after this pay-per-view? He does Not leave, to be yeah. seen again until the lead-up to SummerSlam? Exactly, yeah. Hogan uh, would go on to film his movies. Not a great business decision to go and do the holes barred. The rumor for that movie is that uh, him and Vince rewrote that entire movie right before it was going to camera. One weekend, they stayed up straight rewriting it in a motel room uh, with a bag of blow. That's the story. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> That's amazing. But you know what? Maybe it was a good decision for him to go in the end because, as I said, WrestleMania Five would do the biggest business. Yeah, yeah. It's like I guess yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's sort of like the old territory thing where you would you know leave the territory so that they'd miss you and then come back and so, yeah. Probably there's Elizabeth on the shoulders of the Macho Man, the finger twirling. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah. I used to have a plastic cup with this picture on it with Savage and Elizabeth. Yeah. Oh, God. Too bad they're not around today. No, but Hogan is Hogan's last man standing. Hogan is last man standing. Once again, Hogan must pose. Well, my friend, yeah, that really that wraps, up. wraps up. Yeah, that wraps up for us, too. Uh, next week, we'll go from 88, from this WrestleMania 4, all the way to WrestleMania 5, uh, digging through the Mega Powers, and it's going to be one hell of an episode. See you next week. Thanks, bitch. See you next week, friend. <laughs>